0: Hi there, and welcome to episode 11 of Pour It Out with Alana Beverly. I am your host, Alana, and I'm super excited to have you join me again today. This week on the podcast is chat with a pastor, and it's a super special one because it is my pastor, Pastor Mark Piper from Open Door. And I sat down with Pastor Mark, and if you know him, you know he is a man full of wisdom. He just has so many insights and so many amazing things to share. And um, as always, listening to him was amazing. (laughs) And so I enjoyed every second of it. And I hope that you do too. You will be challenged. You will learn a lot. And you hopefully will get to learn some things about him as a person and in his ministry that you may not have ever known before. And so um, I invite you to grab a cup of coffee and pull up a chair and listen to us as we pour it out. Hi, Pastor Mark.
1: Hello. It is good <laughs> to be with you. We've been uh, together for a long time. You and Randre, uh, 11 years, you were just saying a yeah. moment ago. So. And then this morning, we're just done with Bible study. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you like Bible
0: study? I loved it. Yeah, I love it. It's one of the best parts of not working right now is being able to come when I can. So, yeah. Well, we will get started. And why don't you just tell for the people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself and you can do with that as much or as little as you want.
1: Uh, you know, the, I'm from this area. Uh, that's probably the most important thing, I think. <clears throat> uh, so is my wife, Nikki. She went to Huntington School. I graduated actually from Waverly. We went to Huntington. My oldest two siblings graduated from Huntington. So I knew Nikki growing up from Beulah Chapel, and her family went there. My family went there. My dad pastored there. Then we moved away when I was nine. I ended up in Waverly, and that's where I graduated. I still kind of feel like, I don't know, I feel like more like that's home Mm -hmm. when I consider where my home is. So I grew up in this area. My dad was a pastor. I got saved when I was 16 in 1980, radically converted. Thank God, three of my best friends got converted with me. And we kind of formed a bond together and was able to kind of go through high school and those developmental years together with Christ, encouraging one another and challenging one another. Ended up, uh, you know, dating Nikki, got reconnected, as odd as that is, because we grew up together until I moved to Waverly, and then we reconnected, started dating. Ended up going to college and um, getting a degree, traveling as an evangelist. And then, of course, that brings us to 1991 when we started Open Door here in Chillicothe.
0: And then kids, grandkids.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I hope Nikki doesn't listen to this. I'm going to get...
0: You didn't say anything about your kids and grandkids?
1: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So, uh, of course, you know, got married and had three children. Our oldest is Andrew, lives here in town. He's an attorney. His wife, uh, Lindsay. Uh, she's a doctor at Adina right now, and they've got two kids, Eden and Emmett, and their are ages uh, 10, six,
0: six or seven,
1: six. something like
0: that. Six, seven. He's Caleb's eight. Seven. Okay. Seven. Okay. He's so, older than
1: Caleb. All right. That, that's, that's that. And then our daughter, Alexander, she's got two girls, uh, Elle and Emmy. Uh, here we go again five and eight months something like that and then our youngest austin is married to hannah and i kid around because hannah's from pike county too so you know we've got that in common and they've got a little girl elizabeth rain who's just over one year old so five grandkids three children and uh no pets (laughs) We've had pets in the past. We're older pets. And Austin took
0: all the cats. And Austin took the cats. Yeah, he's kind of
1: a cat lady in man form.
0: (laughs) Well, the first thing that I do with pastors when I have them on is I want to ask, what do you feel like the Lord's speaking over our city right now? Is there anything specific that you feel like for Chillicothe as a whole that he's saying to us?
1: Yeah, that's, you know, you said you were going to ask that question. And I have sat, and, and just for the few minutes that it took to kind of get up ready for this podcast, I thought about that. And I, I'll be real honest with you. I don't know that there is any, like, settling, uh, strategic, common word that God is spoken over the city. Rather, I see it like this. That every individual and in every group has their personal assignment that they need to unpack with excellence. Mm-hmm. Now, I wrote a book. First book I ever wrote was breaking the spirit of poverty, mm-hmm. and I wrote that for our area. And I think that that is still playing out and needs to play mm-hmm. out in all of the systems of a city. And and poverty just is not a financial issue. It's a, it's an internal so poverty, a lack, a sense mm-hmm. of I can't, a sense of well, you know we'll never be Columbus or we'll, we'll never have that great of economy or the, you know, the downtown is always going to kind of be just a little dumpy. So why try to fix it up? So we don't even try. Right. Okay. We, we just, we, we think that just holding steady and not losing is winning right. and it's not. So over a word over a city, I don't know that I picked that up. I don't, you know, maybe my intent is not in the right place there, but you know, when I think about city council, for instance, it's like, okay guys, be the best you can be mm-hmm. and and lead the city with some courage with character with the things actually I talked about this morning mm-hmm. to our mayor Mayor Phineas, like like be the best that we can, you can possibly be and lead us mm-hmm. with integrity and honesty and, uh so then you you look at you look at the mill and you look at Kenworth you know the major employers Adina healthcare systems it's like yes grow mm-hmm. do more figure out how carbonless paper can be mass produced in a way that, that revolutionizes it and then figure up some new products. Uh, and, and so you have, you know, you have the industry, the commercial part, you have healthcare, you have our, our political systems, governmental systems, and you can go right on down through individual people, raising families and then to the churches.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like, okay, Methodists, Be the absolute best that you can be. Mm -hmm. And don't try to be Presbyterian. Don't try to be Pentecostal. Be Methodist. Mm -hmm. We need the best Methodists. Mm -hmm. We need people to be the best. If you are independent, unaffiliated, Pentecostal, charismatic, oriented Mm -hmm. like we are, well then be the best that you can possibly be. So I I see the city more as this complicated set of systems uh, across the spectrum that all have to be functioning together like an automobile. To really make progress. and and fortunately, I think we are. I mean, I, I I know a lot of the people in city council. I love those guys. I respect them. I say, guys, I'm not that's not male or female. That's right. like the people that are on city council and our mayor and and uh, the people that own businesses, the people that have have prospered enough to come downtown and actually make our downtown look awesome. Mm-hmm. The Christmas lights we put up, like yes, those those are indicators in my estimation that part of that poverty spirit and that poverty mindset has been broken in some respects, or Mm -hmm. at least overcome in some respects. Cause I really feel like Chillicothe is getting on the map and it's going to continue to get on the map and be one of like the greatest, my, my goal is it's the greatest town to live in anywhere in the world. Yeah. Like people's like, ah, I'd love to live in Chillicothe.
0: Well, yeah. And I remember 10 years ago, I worked downtown mm-hmm. and there was nothing. There was like mm-hmm. one coffee shop, one restaurant, one or two restaurants. It was somewhere you didn't want to be after dark. Yep. People weren't just walking the sidewalks. Yes. And so now even to see in the last 10 years how much it's grown and how much it's changed and been revitalized. It's like you can see that. Yes. And it's only going to get better.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah, and and that is is the result of some really courageous, brave, generous leaders. Yeah, that stepped up and said, "Okay, yeah, we'll 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 spend some money here." Yeah, and and we have awesome people, and I really, really, really respect these people. Yeah, and I don't even know them that well, but I f- totally respect them. Yeah, because in my opinion, uh, the church. And this this is something when I adopted this, and I really did try to adopt this as a, a, a philosophical framework, that the the success of a church is measured by the condition of the city, mm-hmm. and, and and if you think about that, that that is really life changing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because how can we claim success? Let's just take the church I pastor, Open mm-hmm. Door. So we're out here on South Bridge Street. Um, And and let's say that we grow and we've got however many people. We got 500 people. We went from five to 500. Haven't we been successful? No. Not if the condition of the city is in havoc. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: No, not if your city is just, and when I say city going to hell, I don't mean just like the souls of the people going to hell. It means that. Yeah but I'm still, I'm still very disturbed about the number of people living on the street, the people that are, you know, addicted and and just walking like zombies on Mm -hmm. the corner of Second and Bridge. Like, I I don't, I'm I'm saying I don't have the answers. This is why it takes a whole group of people to come together to make, uh, to form these answers. But how can I say that Open Door is successful as long as those people are still in the condition they're in.
0: Or all the kids are in the foster system. The
1: kids are in the foster system. The, okay, there's no jobs.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. People are having to live off the government. There's still high crime. Right. Like, how uh, can you say, oh, the church is successful. Why? Because we got a bunch of people in the building? Really? That's what we've reduced the gospel down (laughs) to. Like, we get a bunch of people in the building. Look how good we are. Look how successful we are. When, in fact, a lot of those people just... They, they kind of migrate from church to church. You know, they'll they'll go here a little bit, and then they'll go over there a little bit, and then you know, sometimes they migrate back around every four or five, six years. You see them migrate, and then they'll migrate somewhere else. And and then all the pastors they migrate to are what going to pat ourselves on the back and say, "Oh, look what we've done." No,
0: yeah,
1: I mean we shouldn't.
0: Yeah,
1: it's really about our city, the yeah. condition of our city.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Um so one of the things so you are known you know you're a pastor and all of that and then you are a businessman and people know that about you they know how good of a businessman you are for the most part most people know is what i mean you are a good businessman (laughs) but um but one thing about you that um, a lot of people don't may not know Mm -hmm. is that you know i was telling you when we first started at open door People didn't really refer to you as Pastor Mark. They referred to you as Apostle Mark. And there was um, the part of apostleship that you functioned in, not more than a pastor, but that's what you were known as. Mm -hmm. It was you go to open door. Oh, that's Apostle Mark's church. And, um, you know, you have a lot of different churches (coughs) under you, the Soma churches under you, (coughs) the pastors under you. And then I remember, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit this morning, even in Bible study, talking about going Overseas and international conferences and stuff. And you did that stuff all the time. And over the last decade or so, I know since we've been there, I've seen that not be as much, but I know mm-hmm. it's still very much a part of who you mm-hmm. are. And so I just wanted you to kind of share what that journey has been for you. What that, what even is it? What does it look like? Mm-hmm. What, and what does it look like now?
1: There's still a, a, a big segment of the body of Christ that if you're sitting on an airplane and someone says, you know, what do you do for a living if you want to end the conversation just say i'm an apostle <laughs> that conversation has a tendency to die right there and then you read your book without being disturbed so i you know i went on a personal journey and uh it's funny because you know politically i'm definitely conservative when it comes to like governmental politics but but when it comes to the background of my religiosity my church background i'm probably liberal Because I erase lines and I test borders and I just expand and see how far can we actually go. And part of that was like, okay, I I see where where Paul talked about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Okay, we have teachers, no problem. We have pastors, they're all over the place. We have evangelists, that's not a problem. Well, okay, we got three out of five. What do we do with prophets and apostles? And and I was... I I don't know. A lot of my development was not around conference speakers. I I just didn't go to that world. I didn't travel in those circles, and I didn't. And we're going back into the '80s now. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't way before your time.
0: I was born in the '80s. (laughs) Okay, so
1: so you were an infant. You were a baby. (laughs) But in the '80s and and leading up to the '90s, and I just you know made this journey and looking at like, well, why aren't why don't we call people prophets and apostles? Why not? So I, I investigated all that and came to some conclusions. And it's like, OK, uh, maybe this is real. And so, you know, all of that developed within. Well, in the meantime, you know, there was a time then where I got around people that did. Uh, they operated in those realms. And, and, and one of the questions people ask is, well, how do you become an apostle? Mm-hmm. Like, that's weird. Well, I just ask him a question back. How do you become a pastor? If you figure that out you have your answer. Mm -hmm. And, well, I guess you have a heart for it. Okay. But then you have a heart to be an apostle. Well, then you, uh, maybe you go to school and get some education. Good. Yes. Okay. So being an apostle, you need a process of education. Well, I guess you have to prove yourself. Yes. So you become an apostle by proving yourself. Well, I guess people have to refer to you as pastor. Yeah, that's right. So people see this in you. It's the same process. And then you have a group of people who are uh, peer level, but those above peer level as well who confirm that in you. And then there's a process that that we went through to have hands laid on you. And like just like I received an ordination back in the day, that that we were set in the place of apostle. Now that goes back to about the time that you started interacting with us. And Nikki and I were very involved with expanding, you know, our ministries uh, in the United States and around the world and did a lot of the international uh a lot of those international meetings and had a lot of those opportunities, which was a good season for us. However, we couldn't sustain that. And we knew that if we tried, it would cost us our family. That's a little too radical to say, but it it would hinder Mm -hmm. the relationship with with our kids because our kids were coming of age. Now, I remember the day Nikki and I were at a, a football game and Sissy was cheerleading for Uniota. And um, there were people from our church there. We're all kind of hanging out, you know, it's fun. And we're watching a football game. And and it's it's like this little community of people. And, and Nikki turned to me. She said, I'm done traveling. She said, I'm done. Um, th- this is what I want to do. This is life. I said, baby, you're right. This is what we want.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I did not step out of the uh, role you know, because being an apostle isn't a gift, just like mm-hmm. being a pastor is. However, we had to make adjustments. And I think there'll probably be a day in the future where some of that will happen again. But we made a conscious decision for our family's sake that we would really focus on our family, focus on Open Door Church. And frankly, I love pastoring. Mm-hmm. Now, I've I i, I I've kind of moved away from the moniker of apostle for various reasons, uh, one of which is like my relationship with you and other people that attend our church is I am your pastor. Mm-hmm. So that's my role, just like I'm the father of the three and grandpa to five others. So I I want you to relate with me as your pastor. But I am an apostle to some.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And those would be uh, the other churches that I'm affiliated with in SOMA. <clears throat> would... How
0: many churches do you have? You
1: know? you know, that's that's a hard number to, to exactly say. At one time it was over 50, and we, we really built up SOMA in a way that we built organizationally. And the problem with building organizationally is you've got to be very administrative to keep it going because the way you build dictates the way that you move forward. Mm-hmm. And we built organizationally and probably, well, about that same time, I'm going back a few years, and I don't know how many years to go back, maybe six, seven years ago. I thought, yeah, I, I'm. I do not want to run an organization for the rest of my life. This is too much work, <laughs> you know, to to try to do everything and then have this organization that you that you have to like really work hard mm-hmm. to keep it built and fresh and moving mm-hmm. forward. I thought, no, I want to do it relationally. And I thought, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stop sending out the magazine. We had a magazine,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. We all we were offering you know opportunities for in, insurance and investments and all that. And it's like, nah. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to let it go and see who stays with me for the next five to six years. If I don't do all that for them. Because the fact is, if you have to do that for people, you're not producing sons. Uh, you, you're you're producing servants in some ways, mm-hmm. or you're producing consumers. And that's, that's not what the kingdom of God is about. Yeah. And so uh, we made a conscious decision with Soma too, to say, okay, let's just let it go and see who stays. And so, uh, we did that, and and now there's a core group of churches, I'm I'm guessing around 12 to 15, that uh, have a very relational connection. I would say a very loose affiliation, but I mean, yesterday we went down to Cincinnati. We've been traveling to our churches and having prayer meetings, and it was just, I mean, it's been amazing. Last week we were at my brother's church in Washington Courthouse. Then we were at Todd Critzweiser's church in, near Cincinnati in Milford. The prayer meetings have been amazing. See that's what I want. Mm-hmm. That's what fulfills me. I got enough organizational stuff going on, you know, with, with the LLC that we our properties mm-hmm. and and the church and it's like the, <laughs> I'm too old to work <laughs> that hard. <laughs>
0: now, are all the churches here in Ohio? Uh, yes, yes.
1: We we have, and, and you know, it's it's a bit churches. It, uh, how do I explain this? I don't want to say they're like child they're like your children. They're more like your friends. And you mm-hmm. know, you, you have a circle friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really close friends. Mm-hmm. Like even Jesus did, Peter, James, and John. Mm-hmm. So you have this close knit circle. And then you, you might have an outer kind of concentric ring of people you feel pretty close to. Mm-hmm. And then there's people it's like, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, I know them. They're they're like really good people, but they're not the people that you invite over for your birthday party. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how some of these churches are. So yes, we have churches outside of Ohio that that do affiliate with us, uh, but I, I would say that the core is in Ohio. Yeah, and I I like that because I can stay connected with them. It's just hard, very difficult to stay relationally connected with yeah. with people, and it's not impossible, but you have to make a real intentional effort to do it if they live let's say in another state.
0: Now, do you have a set amount of time? That you dedicate to them, like how often you connect with those pastors?
1: I haven't structured it, but we connect with we do every every uh, once a month. We have meetings once a month. We have these prayer meetings once a month, once a month, and we do September, October, November, and then we we break December, we do uh, January, February, March, April, May, and then we break in the summer. So we do the second Tuesday of every one of those months. And uh, we've live streamed some of those, so other pastors. I, we didn't live stream yesterday for some reason. I think I just basically forgot. But we do live stream so the pastors, maybe they can't make it, mm-hmm. uh, can can get with us. But I feel like that fulfilling the mandate to pray and we're praying for revival, the metaphor that God gave us was we're redigging those wells like mm-hmm. Isaac did that were filled in. His dad, Abraham, dug them originally. And the enemy filled them in. Isaac had to redig those wells. And that's that's what I feel like we're doing. I think that's one of the, you know, like I, when you talked about a word for the city, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, that's kind of how I see that. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's certain personal words and words for our family and then words for the church that I pastor. And then there's this Soma thing. And the Soma thing right now, it's like redigging these wells, man. We're praying for a revival. We're crying out to God for a revival and outpouring yeah. and conviction. Like, just really crying out to God and, and, uh, sparing not. And, yeah. and, and these aren't just thinking good thoughts. I mean, these guys are praying man, and interceding and crying out. It's been really glorious. We've done it like going back into the summer.
0: I love that. Uh, yeah. I love that. I just wanted to interrupt the podcast really quick and tell you about a few local partnerships that I have going on with some downtown businesses. The first one is Sweet William Blossom Boutique. It is located at 90 West 2nd Street across from Carl's House. They have the best of the best chocolate-covered strawberries. I mean, literally the best in the whole entire world, I think. Um, they also have gourmet apples, charcuterie boards, they sell candles, they sell a little bit of everything, and now they even have chicken noodle soup, and it is phenomenal. I don't even like chicken noodle soup, but I tasted it and I fell in love. It's delicious. Um, they also have a combo where you can do um, chicken salad croissant with chicken noodle soup, and it is fantastic and They just started selling dirty pop, cue all of the NSYNC music, and um, they're delicious drinks. They are pop mixed with some syrups and some creamer and it's made with love and it's fantastic. So go check them out if you have not been there yet and I promise you will be so happy and you can send especially the chocolate-covered strawberries. I'm a little bit partial and a little bit biased, but you can send them and they come in a wonderful pink box and it's just magical because it brightens your day right away. Also, the other one is Roast Coffee. It is located at 107 East 2nd Street in The Fort Collective. The best of the best coffee here in town. Um, Best drinks, best atmosphere. You walk in, you see tons of people that you know and you get to love on, and it's fantastic. The baristas are amazing. They get to know you. They know your order. I literally walk in and they have my drink made before I even pay. Cannot say enough good things. Go check Roast Out. Also, it's located in the Fort Collective, like I said, and so there's other stores in there. So you can shop while you wait for your coffee. And so, win, win, win. It's fantastic. Go check them out. Both of these places are absolutely wonderful. And if you go check them out, just let them know that I sent you. Okay, so I wasn't planning on necessarily talking about this, but um, I want to. So we will. Last night, you wrapped up this year's School of Ministry. Mm -hmm. And as someone who has completed School of Ministry, my husband um, just finished his first year. Um, We're going into a break and then you start Mm -hmm. back in January. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about School of Ministry, how that got started? And then if you want to put just a little tiny plug in for starting it back up. Okay,
1: yeah. Um, So 24 years ago, actually we've been doing it for 24 years. So every two years we cycle back through this goes all the way back to when i was a kid my mother and my aunt which was my dad's sister they were like sisters and they were both school teachers which means that they were students they loved learning they loved the environment of education both of them were sunday school teachers adult sunday school teachers and i can remember them saying how much they would love to take bible college classes i remember that like I, i was i don't know seven eight years old and they'd talk about, oh, I'd love to take Bible college class. Wouldn't that be so great? And, and, of course, you know, they can't. They're raising kids. They have jobs. They're teaching. But they would love to take Bible college classes. And I just remember that. In fact, when I was 19, I was a freshman at uh, High Christian. And I, I, made a, I scheduled an appointment with the president, Doug Carter, at that time. And so I went into his office and said, you know, my mom and my aunt used to say this all the time. And of course, at that time, it was like 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago, I said, is there any way that you can actually offer college credit courses in local churches, maybe send a professor down there to, you know, kind of teach some classes? And of course, this is 1983. There's no online, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's nothing like that. And uh, yeah, we talked about it and that's there was nothing ever done about it, but... It's like that it's as the technology caught up. That's exactly what happens today. You know, people Mm -hmm. taking classes online uh, from home and all. And uh, from that genesis, as it developed in my mind, we started our church in Open Door in 1991. So by 98, I was ready to launch a school of ministry in our local church for people that needed and wanted more. Mm -hmm. And there's just things you can do on a school of ministry night for two hours of lecture mm-hmm. and conversation that you can't do on a Sunday morning. And it's, it, it, I can't do it on a Sunday morning. Pastors are not, we don't do that kind of teaching on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. It's a different environment, different purpose. And the school of ministry is so necessary for that reason. And it's really important, I think, for churches, especially if, if they are very attractional, meaning like they attract people in the front door to have what I would consider to be a funnel That like whosoever will comes in the front door, but there has to be a strategic funnel where you're going to funnel people who want more into an environment where they can get more. Because a lot of churches that have a big front door, a big entryway people come in and it's like, okay, well then what do I do? Well, you just keep coming every Sunday. Uh And so I really felt like we needed something more on the back end. So we developed school ministry and, and pretty much, you know, I wrote the curriculum I, I wrote it, I, I came up with the ideas of what I thought were interesting subjects that would be helpful for people in a local church setting. And I used some of the books that I had in college and then read just tons of books that that impacted me and would kind of put those together and started writing curriculum. And I, when we started, I actually launched it. I had the curriculum in mind, but I hadn't written it. Um, I, I was about maybe a month or two ahead of what I was teaching. Like well, I would teach this subject and then I was about maybe one subject or two subjects ahead trying to write in oh, the wow. evenings because I was chasing myself. If uh-huh. that makes sense. Uh-huh. What I was trying to do till I got through the first two years and I was like, oh, okay, I got them. <laughs> and then, uh, and then we went through two years. And every, every year we've tried to tweak it. We've tried to upgrade it. We've dropped some classes, brought in some new ones. And then to the point now where we actually give all of our students the full uh, manuscript. I
0: but. know. I want that. I'm, I want to.
1: Did you just get the outline?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. The so Andre got the manuscript. He got
1: the manuscript. Yeah. Cause we, I think we just started it this mm-hmm. past calendar year, <clears throat> which is another weird thing. Uh, I was going to launch it in fall of 97. And the Lord said, don't just don't wait till the beginning of the year. And I thought, well, that's weird. Like, okay. But uh, I felt like it was God. So, okay. So we waited till the beginning of the calendar year to launch it. Um, And and so maybe it was 97. I can't quite remember now, but it was the beginning of the year. And as now, after we've gone through it like a couple of times, I'm thinking, wow, that really works well, because if we were trying to launch School of Ministry, like get new students in let's say in August, September, Mm -hmm. it would be hard for working parents Mm -hmm. to have on their mind their education while they're trying to get their kids ready for school. Mm -hmm. It really works well because you get your kids ready, you get their book bags, you get them started, new school year, and then long about October, November, you take a breath and then you start looking. School of Ministry starts back fresh in January. And so it makes a lot of sense in hindsight, but I never thought about that when we did it but it really makes a lot of sense to go calendar year. So that's yeah. why we do it that way.
0: So it's a two year commitment. Mm-hmm. And then to put a little plug in, because I believe very, very strong. I mean, it was the best experience that I've ever had as a Christian. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it truly was. I learned more about the word, more about the history. I Reindeer has not done old Testament yet. Yes. So I told, I'm like, you just wait till you get to the timeline. That's the best thing in the whole entire yes. world. Um, but for people who would be interested in starting in January, how do they do that?
1: Uh, it, you you can get like uh, real paper at the church. We've got the booklets and things like that. Or you can go to SomaSchools.com. That's one word, S-O-M-A, schools, plural, dot com. You can register online. Okay. And and you can see the classes. <clears throat> We're going to go into the 100-level classes. So the people that join this year in January will actually do the 100 level classes, and then they'll go to the 200 level their second year. Randre came in on the 200 level, and then he's going to finish up with the 100 level. It It, it is a little bit better to do it the way that you did it, mm-hmm. not the way Randre did it, but it's not worth waiting a year for right. people to put it off a year. So what the 200 level is, it's really practical. It's like teaching and preaching, biblical counseling. You know, the kinds of subjects that you're that would help you serve in a local church. Mm -hmm. The 100 level is like Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, the kingdom of God, the covenants of God, the tabernacles and Mm -hmm. temples, biblical theology, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like just fundamental kind of biblical subjects. So, uh, Anybody wants to join, they can go to somaschools.com or just get information from the church. And we start in January. Oh, and and we have, even if you didn't sign up yet, we have an open house. If you just wanted to check it out, come downtown to the Soma building, 75 North Paint, uh, SOMA, says it right above the door. We have our new student orientation on the Tuesday night after christmas which would be the 27th right because christmas is on a sunday Sunday. this year so it's tuesday the 27th and that's when you can come in check us out and there's nothing wrong with coming in checking us out and saying ah not for me that's cool just come in and check us out we'll have information here you can look at the building you see where we have the classes meet some of the people that work with us here see some other students and we do that orientation every year Like usually the week between Christmas and New Year's. And then we start classes, which would be the second, right? Because that means New Year's Day. It would be on Sunday, right? So then it would be like the second, the first Tuesday of Mm -hmm. January. That's when we actually officially launch.
0: And it's every Tuesday from 7 to 9-ish and then online also. Ish. Ish. I think last the last few weeks it's been he's been getting home at like 9.30. twenty nine thirty. I'm like, well, it's the last few weeks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll give it five or ten after. <laughs> yeah,
1: nine o'clock is the signal to slow down. Yeah, stop.
0: Yes, <laughs> but it's really good. And um, we don't
1: go through the summers. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, but, no. but like we 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 usually, we keep the same kind of calendar year that a school does. So we're done towards the end of May. We take June July and August off in the fall we come back and actually like we just finished up last night, like you said, so we're done for the year. So you get, you get kind of that same school Mm -hmm. calendar. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Well, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about that you want to say or,
1: uh, when we were talking before we started uh, this podcast, you had asked me about anything that I felt like God was saying like for me personally Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and that's going that just automatically because I'm a pastor it bleeds over into okay well this is me and the the family that I'm associated with my my, my spiritual family. Um, I think that there's there's several things that God uh, really is impressing upon me for us, mm-hmm. and uh, people can listen to this and maybe they relate maybe they don't. One of the things that um, the church is going to have to reinvestigate and revisit are the structures of the church. Because life is made up of two things, and, and sometimes we'll define those as chaos and order. Mm-hmm. Okay, the combination of those things. Uh, a better way to look at it, I think, is life and structure. I think that's those are better terms, and that those are terms we understand, because the structure of a tomato steak. You tie the life of the vine around that. Same mm-hmm. thing with grapevines. You know, there's a lot of examples in nature where there's a structure and that structure supports life. It is the same with human beings. When you have a baby and they grow up, you, you're raising kids, like kids need structure. Mm-hmm. And deep down, they like it. They mm-hmm. want it. Mm-hmm. Bedtimes, you know, certain routines and structures that help them in their life. Because structures orient us in life. It helps us know where we're at. Structures give us direction in life, help us to know. Like a road is a, is a set of limitations on your left and right, a structure that says, go this way and you'll be okay. Get off in the ditches you're not gonna be okay. Structures give us identity. There I are mean, so many things we could talk about. Mm-hmm. It seems to me the church in America has has ignored those doctrinal, biblical structures. And we've exchanged them for doing church, quote unquote, in a way that's that's fun, exciting, cool. We have a cool vibe. We we have lights. We have a fog machine. We got cool music. It, and, and you know that we do all that too. It's like yeah, because it's fun. Mm-hmm. We, we want that, mm-hmm. man. If you don't simultaneously, like a train track, left track and right track simultaneously. Mm-hmm have the structures also tracking with with the other stuff, we're gonna we're gonna wreck. And I think our culture is reflecting uh, the lack of structure that that we have had in the church. We've we've looked at doctrine almost like it's boring.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and sometimes it is. If you don't have a good teacher teaching it, that you know, it can be boring. Mm-hmm. And what we—it's just kind of boring, and the structures, the spiritual disciplines, fasting, praying—all oh, that's old, religious. Like, oh, no, don't put that on us, you know. And like, well, but then, then what else do we sacrifice? Well, I don't. I love Jesus. I just don't go to church. I love Jesus, but don't put that bondage on me. I love Jesus. And what people are saying is, they're 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 tapping into the relational part of it, but where we're struggling is where do the structures come into play in our life. Mm-hmm. And I can say, you you don't lose weight, you don't get fit, you don't succeed in business without life and structure. You don't have a marriage without life and structure. You can't raise kids without life and structure. Mm-hmm. And spiritually, there has to be both of those. So I feel like the word that has been most predominant in my thinking over the past at least a year, mm-hmm. probably more, is, is being very intentional on, on teaching, mm-hmm. Structural doctrinal things, uh, from an expository practice of teaching the Bible, like just don't use the Bible as a springboard to talk about everything in the world. Look at that scripture and break those scriptures, those verses down. I think, and I think more and more people are are looking for that, that kind of yeah. really in depth, intelligent way that we can approach scripture and show people. It's like, yeah, these structures, they're incredible. Yeah, they they have created civilizations that are mightier than us. Th- th- this is incredible, and we've got to rediscover that. Yeah, the church has got to be more than just cool.
0: Now, <clears throat> um, my last question for you is: I go, jumping off of that, I would like you to explain how you read the Bible every day, because when you taught this, you taught this back when we first started,
1: mm-hmm. and.
0: I have done that. I don't do it all the time, but I have done that. There's been probably three or four years of life that I did that. Mm -hmm. And it is the best way that I've ever learned to read the Bible. And so for people who hear this and who are thinking, okay, but what does that look like? Because I've read the Bible and it's boring to me. Yes. Where do I even, or it's overwhelming. Where do I start? How do I do this? Can you tell us how your method for reading the Bible, because I think, unbiasedly, maybe a little biasedly, that it's the best that I've ever heard?
1: Well, okay, so I was reading through the Old Testament. I was going to read through the Bible in a year, and I've, I've done that before. This is back in the 90s. I was pastoring at the time. And so I'm reading the Bible, and I'm I, I'm somewhere in the Old Testament. i got to be honest with you. I was so bogged down and bored by it. It was just sheer discipline. I'm going to plow through. I'm going to get through Leviticus. <laughs> I don't care if it kills me. So somewhere I was in the Old Testament. I just thought, oh, my goodness, I'd love to read some Gospels, but I can't. Because I'm going to stick to my three chapters a day and get through the Bible this year. And I think I did. But then I heard something once that that in the synagogues, that when they did their weekly readings from scripture, they would read a, a passage from the Torah, first five books of the Bible. They would read a passage from the writings, which is like Proverbs and Psalms, and then a passage from the prophets. Okay, every Sabbath, one, let's say, chapter, one chapter from each one of those three. I heard that. And I'm in the process of, like, getting bogged down in the Old Testament. I thought, oh, oh, well, I'm doing three chapters a day anyway. Maybe I can do that. One chapter from the Old Testament, one chapter from the Gospels, one chapter from the writings, Acts through Revelation. So it worked something like this. I can't remember if I started over, but I think I did. I think I went back and I said, okay, Genesis 1, Matthew 1, Acts 1. The next day, Genesis 2, Matthew 2, Acts 2. Next day, Genesis 3, Matthew 3, Acts 3, and so on. Now, by the time that I read the Old Testament, by the way, it it takes more than a year to complete this. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But by the time that I read the Old Testament, I will Mm -hmm. have read the Gospels. I don't know the math. 20 times. Mm -hmm. And I will have read Acts through Revelation 10 times. And to me, like, that's the balance. That's the perfect balance Mm -hmm. because I'm getting Jesus more than anything. Secondly, I'm getting the writings of the apostles. Thirdly, I'm finding the foundations that hold all of that together in the Old Testament. And and that's how I do it. And I I keep my place with a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. I always have a piece of paper. And I keep my place in the Old Testament, the Gospels and the and the writings with a piece of paper, and I have a pencil. and you know the pencils I use. I'm, uh-huh. I'm really, like <laughs> insistent that people use that pencil. And uh, it's like when I when I get something, I write it down just instantly and and that's practically where all the messages of sermons come from. But I don't read the Bible to find sermons. I think that's mm-hmm. real important. I read the Bible devotionally. I read it for my own spiritual development, my soul. But then out of that just comes these ideas, and and so that's it. That's to me doing that structure is one of those structures that just kind of mm-hmm. helps you complete this task.
0: So I found mine the other day from where I had done it. It was back in two thousand fourteen because I had it dated. Wow! And I had my three slips of paper. I found the Bible that I had used. It's a different Bible than I use now. Okay. And um, it was neat because. And I think you've taught this is to always write when you read. And so each day I would have what I read and I would have one takeaway. Or there were times where I even put a question and was like, yes, why did they do this? Or why did you say this here? And I would stop and just ask the Lord. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'd get an answer and sometimes I wouldn't. And sometimes, but even going back and seeing that, it was just interesting, and so it made me think about it as we were talking, and you were mm-hmm. talking about the structures, because it's earlier on. I got saved in two thousand eight, and um, so I was about six years in when I did that, and so it was just you know it's it's neat to see that I had Araya at the time, but I didn't have Caleb yet, and so it's to go back and see. Younger me, and to Uh see how I interpreted things and right, just what I took from it. It's really neat. So,
1: Ed, you got it right. You should never open the Bible without pen or pencil and paper. Never, never, ever, ever, because you're not going to remember those things God shows you.
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) because they don't come out of your own intellect. Yeah, I think that's the reason. I can't prove it, but I'm. I think there's certain things that I can puzzle together and parse out in my mind that I remember then but there's things that God gives me that comes from a different source and it it, it comes out of my spirit maybe. And so there's a, there's, there's a less likelihood that I would remember those things. Yeah. It's like a dream. You know, you go to remember that dream, right? You first wake up so fresh and then by noon, it's like, what was that dream? Yeah. And so God speaks to us in ways that I'm not going to say bypasses our mind, but it comes from a different source than our mind. And if you write it down, Oh, I've got a, If I showed you my cell phone, like the voice recorder, Mm -hmm. just constantly, you know, filling up, filling up that when I get it, because if I don't, I lose it. Yeah. It's like an inspiration. I don't know where it comes from. It just comes from a a unknown source. And if you don't capture it some way on your phone, on a piece of paper, uh, you'll lose it. And that's, that's horrible. Yeah. You know, it really is. I I think it is. I don't know. Maybe it's not that big a deal, but it (laughs) seems really... You know, I get disgusted with myself when I know that there's something I really got. And I yeah. liked it. Now I can't remember <laughs> what it was.
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much. I appreciate you having, making the time to sit down and talk. And I appreciate who you are. You've been my pastor now for 11 years. Mm-hmm. And so publicly just to say, thank you. Thank oh, you for all that you've you. invested into our family and continue to invest into our family. And we love you.
1: I love you too. Thank you.
0: I want to take a minute to tell you about another partner of mine, Maggie and me Candle Company. I hope that last month you were able to take advantage of that 10% off using my code there. Uh, We will be doing something like that again very, very soon. But I hope that you were able to get some yummy smelling candles because they really are just the best of the best. Uh, They are soy-based, hand-poured, made with love. They smell amazing. The scent lasts so long. They're just the best candles ever. And I cannot say enough good things about them. If you have not had a chance to get them, uh, you can get them around town at high Five bakery you can get it at new system bakery you can get it at nelly dog um or you can get it online they have a new website it is www.maggieandme.shop go check them out you need to get some of them and let them know that elena sent you I hope you enjoyed listening to that podcast as much as I enjoyed recording it. As always, there were lots of little nuggets of wisdom, and I hope that you all were able to gain a lot, that you were able to be challenged and inspired, and that you can take some practical tips and tools away from the episode. One of my favorite things that Pastor Mark shared was uh, the way to study the Bible. And I was just so excited to be able to have him share that on here so that people can go back and listen to it anytime because it's just such a great way to study. It's something, like I said in the um, conversation, I've done it in the past. And just the other day, I was thinking about it, and I think I'm going to do that in 2023. And so I hope that it's something that you can all – that some of you can take away from it and we'll be able to apply it and try it out. Um also just want to say open door is located at 3130 South Bridge Street and we have services at nine o'clock and 1030. And so if you connected with Pastor Mark and want to hear him again um in person or catch the live stream, you can look us up on Facebook at Open Door Ohio and We would love to have you join us anytime. So I hope that you all have a wonderful rest of your week and I will join you back next week um, as we pour it out.